Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, joined today by Tony Haggerty and Laura Bradburn. Later on, we'll be getting live reactions from Easter Road from Natasha Mikkel. This is a Celtic state of mind. This is the end of a forgettable season and a forgettable game. Laura, before we get into the action, just to clarify the many hundreds of messages that are appearing on social media, we did not uh, get granted access to Easter Road by Celtic. Doesn't work like that. Celtic had nothing to do with it so I know that was raising uh, a few complaints uh, Celtic were being tagged in as were the SLO nothing to do with Celtic that we were in Easter Road today so just to clarify that and we were in there in a professional capacity in relation to a state of mind being a media company so it wasn't a fan in the ground, um, although she is a fan of Celtic and we will be hearing from Natasha Mikkel later on Anthony what was your thoughts? I mean, that really just kind of summed up the whole season, that 90 minutes, did it not? Bowfin. 
was my <laughs> uh, initial expression. Good old Scottish word, boufing. No, I mean, no imagination, no flair, no spark, no heart, no passion. You know, you saw the team and you just, you could have put, put money in that result. I wish I had. I was only bothered about the Scottish Cup. No, sorry, we aren't bothered about it again because we've got the Scottish Cup next week. So, I mean, absolutely drop, absolute dross. Wait, wait till nine minutes to go to throw on Griffiths and Dunbell. I mean, you know, my, my old work colleague, Ewan Graham, great man, his part was brilliant. As he used to, <laughs> these kind of games, and I'd say to him, What's your thoughts? And he had a great expression, hurry on, death. Was his expression <laughs> a hurry on death kind of game? I think you would find. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, these were journalist nightmare trying to, you know, I bet, I trying bet, to a thousand words on something like trying that. to claw something out of you. And, and they yeah. do say that uh, sleep is the cousin of death, and that would have sent you to sleep, Laura. Uh, Ninety minutes, no, a great deal happening. Yeah, we spoke about the free kick in the first half. Uh, Pretty baffled by the decision, to be fair. Second half, you're kind of crying on for a wee bit of a fresh approach. Uh, Kennedy played it safe. Does it concern you that he was talking during the week about putting in some plans for next season? Well, before I go into that, if uh, sleep is the cousin of death, then a coma must be the brother of death. And I think that was a bit closer to what we were experiencing today. Um, It certainly does. Uh, concern me that John Kennedy's talking in those terms because there are a couple of things that suggest the, the the worst nightmare in my view being that he takes the manager's role on in some official capacity um, because as we were discussing previously for anybody who thinks that uh, the club have been, remained quiet on the uh, appointment of a manager because they are working on it in the background and think that uh, it might be closing in the offing. Uh, the communications from the club this week suggest to me that we are further from that than I thought we were. So um, the prospect of, of John Kennedy being manager officially in some capacity next season is more of a reality than it was to me a week ago. Um, the other problem is as well is he's had 10 games now to put in place the plans he would have put in place before next season he had he's had a chance at what we've all called an audition or a prolonged interview or whatever you want to call it and we have seen nothing to suggest that he's 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 got anything in his locker that is going to improve this team you can't consistently blame the players all the time for the performances they put in and they have been shocking but on the, when, on the subject to Kennedy uh, Laura Mm-hmm. You know, we asked the question last week, has anything changed? Do you see anything really chain, changing in the performances since he took over? I think I think our record's worse, actually, since he came in. Yeah, well, no, that was that was the point I was going to go on to, is, you know, if if getting rid of Neil Lennon was going to help the issue, um, then we've not seen that. We've not seen a, a vast improvement. We've seen the odd, the 6-0 win against Livingston and... Uh, the 4-0 win last last week or this week against St Johnston but those have been the exceptions they've been um, in spite of what he's putting in place rather than because of it I think and um, yeah uh, if he's going to be there in any sort of capacity next season with any significant impact on the way the players are playing on the pitch then I'm, I'm more worried than I was this time last week like I said 
thanks to Helen McCallum. Axom have uh, been brilliant this season. Thank you. And thank you for the kind words. We do get a lot of kind words, Anthony, as well as the flack that um, has, has ensued because we had the audacity to actually manage to get into the ground, all legally, by the way. We all we got in legally. It wasn't a Mission Impossible style uh, dive in from the top of the stand, Laura, <laughs> before you start that. Carry on. Um, and John, I'm going to throw this one to you, Tony. John Aaron says, rip roaring, free scoring Glasgow Celtic. Where are they? Indeed, John. Where are they? I'd prefer Ludovic Kennedy in charge of Celtic at this minute. Go and Google him and you'll see what I mean. Uh, honest to God, I mean, you had your chance to put your stamp on your mark on, you know, being given that role as a manager and, you know, just reverted to nothing changed, did it? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And then, which, which coined the phrase Lenedy. You know, that's what you'll be remembered for in that 10-game stint in charge. You know, not, nothing changed. We got Karamoko for a wee cameo the other night, got him today for 10 minutes. I mean, Karamoko and Dembele should have been playing all of those 10 games, every one of them, just to see what we've got. Montgomery as well should have been introduced. You know, Griffiths maybe to try and get himself quick for the Euros or in the, in the squad for the Euros. You know, that, that kind of thing, but I mean, the season was gone when he took over, so why not? But I mean, today was just just apathy amongst the players, wasn't it? You've seen that an apathetic performance. An apathetic performance, um, absolutely. Or, or um, just a pathetic one. <laughs> yeah, you can spot that, yeah, you can spot that. Apathetic and apathetic performance, basically, yeah. I mean, nothing. Now, no, you know, the only thing I'm kind of trying to, to uh, glean from that performance is that's Barkas's second clean sheet in a row, Tony. <laughs> have, we got a, have we got a goalkeeper on our hands? Um, I'm not too sure about that. So, yeah, John Kennedy's come in, and I think that, um, you know, he's only 37, isn't he? And if he's got uh, aspirations, which I think he must have, to go out on his own and get a job as a manager at some stage, then this was an opportunity. Uh, to actually, you know, show the the football and landscape what it is you do as a manager, what is your style, um, and in order to do that, you need to have taken a few risks. I, I think that he hasn't done that. He hasn't taken any risks really when you look at the team selection, even for today's game. But a few of the players we really need to talk about because it could have been the final appearance of the likes of um, Eduard, Lee Griffiths, Ryan Christie, and various others possibly Ayer as well. But let's start off with Scott Brown. So that this is the last time we will see Scott Brown in a Celtic jersey. Lots ha, has been said, Laura, over the last um, you know few weeks since the announcement was made that he's going to Aberdeen. Um, sum up your thoughts about Brown. I've seen a great video, uh, Celtic Analytics on Twitter, put together some tremendous kind of um, defensive midfield play by Scott Brown. And I remembered back to a couple of weeks back when uh, a student for Kevin Graham on Scream Celica, we were covering uh, Celtic 7, Motherwell 1 from 1999. And um, Henry Larson scored four goals that day. And the one goal that stood out for me was uh, it started off probably a third of the way from his own goal by Paul Lambert. And he broke down play, swiftly turned, uh, made his move, found McTosh McKinley on the left who crossed over first time for Henrik Larson. And watching that goal back 
all these years later, I was thinking, when was the last time we seen Bruni doing that? Bruni used to do that, break up play, turn it into attack. And there's a great clip on Twitter, as I say, check it out, where it shows many of these games are in Europe, by the way, where he was breaking up the game. And, and he was winning possession back for Celtic. And I watched that game today with interest, not to slag off Scott Brown, because I've, I've said before, and I'll say it again, he's a Celtic legend. Absolutely a Celtic legend. Um, but that part of his game that made him the player he was has been missing for some time, I feel, Laura. And it was on display again today. Well, yeah, the, what I'll say to begin is, you know, bringing up Paul Lambert as a comparison for me is... Um, a difficult one to, to sort of comment on because, you know, you want to be positive about Scott Brown given that he's he's about to, to leave us and that kind of thing. But for me, as somebody who was too young to see Paul McStay in his prime, um, Paul Lambert is the single best midfielder I've seen in a Celtic shirt without any shadow of a doubt. His defensive play, his passing, his shooting, everything about him was just a cut above the rest. And for me... Scott Brown has never been quite on that level as a player. But like you say, I think he did have, certainly in his younger career, and even as late as the Brendan Rodgers years, Brendan Rodgers years was a lot more of a dynamic player than he's shown this season. Um, I think if this season has taught us anything, that, you know, Tony's Tony and Jim, when I'm on with them on a Friday, have put across very, like, concise and cogent arguments about him potentially having an effect off the pitch uh, going into to the following seasons and I have to say my mind was changed on that when I saw how he engaged with the fans and in, in, in the fan conference but yeah on the pitch you know I, I don't think we'll be missing much next season I think he's his time has caught up with him unfortunately and it, it really is starting to show especially when you do compare it to years gone by. Now, see when you are looking at that game as Bruni's last appearance in a Celtic jersey, Tony, um, we already know it's the end of an era for obvious reasons. Um, we've spoken about the you know, the need at Celtic to have some form of constant, you know, where they're passing on that baton. We spoke about Tommy Burns the other day. Um, I'm looking around that park, I'm looking for leaders and you know, they're in short supply. Anthony Haggerty, we're going to rue the day that we allowed this deal to happen. They might well rue the day that they let Scott Brown go out the door, but I, I'm not remembering the Scott Brown that trudged off the park in a 0-0 against Hibs today. I'm remembering the Bruni. I'm remembering the, the goal at Kilmarnock, goal against the Israeli side, uh, Hapul Bersheva, and that kind of the goal against Hamilton that dug you out a hole. You know, I'm not remembering all the good things about Bruni. And the fact that I said it the other day, captain, leader, legend, I think that neatly sums him up in terms of his Celtic career. No, this has just been the season from hell and Scott Brown's been caught up in that vortex with uh, leaving the club as well. And it's not the way he wanted to leave, but I don't remember. I'm, I'm not going to remember that, Bruni, the one that didn't get the chance to say cheerio to the fans. Hopefully he does get that at a later stage. I remember all the good things that Scott Brown brought to the club. That you know that energy, that thrusting dynamic force that they bought for four point four million from Hibs when everybody thought he was a shoe and he signed for Rangers, and he came to Celtic because of Gordon Strachan and, and Tommy Burns' role in it, and uh, and he became the most <laughs> probably one of the most hated players in the country for making that decision, and became public enemy number one and a target for every midfielder that fancied their barra as they say in Glasgow, 
against them and he saw off every challenge and he's walked off with a hat full of medals and given us lots of magical memories and yeah and as rightly lauded as a captain alongside the likes of McNeil and people can argue the toss over his footballing ability that's that's a debate that will rage on for years and years and years but I say it again he competed against the best hit his whips against the best and enjoyed it and loved it and the fans loved him and he loved the supporters and is there still room for Scott Brown at Celtic? You bet the life there is. But he's left to pursue another option, probably play a bit more for Aberdeen this season than he would have at Celtic. But just that driving force, that go-to man, the guy that could explain Celtic to any newcomers. Mm. And when a new manager comes in, a, a possible captain coming in from the cold, because we don't have leaders like that. There's no natural successor. So the next guy coming in might be a captain that's bought from elsewhere. And Scott Brown could have just said to him, look, you'll never experience anything like this in your life. This is the club. It's a great club. And if you take it and embrace it, then you get it. And take it to your heart. You'll get it returned a hundredfold. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's not, I, I don't count that as Scott Brown's last game for Celtic. I just don't. I just don't. I'm trying not to think of this season and his last season for Celtic. It's very difficult not to. But you know, you just. I think. I think the Celtic supporters' memories will be kinder to him. We'll kind of airbrush this one, and we'll just remember the good things. When you look at uh, someone we've already mentioned, Laura and Paul Lambert, and you look at uh, how he captained the club, uh, and similarly with Tommy Tommy Boyd as well, um, you know there was a period of time where they maybe weren't playing week in week out, but they were still there, and, and their influence was being felt by their teammates, uh, even though they weren't on the park every week. Scott Brown has been pivotal this season to virtually every Celtic performance. Forty-two games he's played this season, so it's not as though he's going out uh, having only played 15-20 games you're looking at the situation thinking that uh, that would have been because of the period of transition we're just about to enter Laura it would have been uh, good business I've said this before to keep him just to keep him now I'm, I'm not expecting him to be our number 8 or he looks more like a number six these days. He was a number eight previously, Tony. But, you know, playing week in, week out. But for that influence and for that transition period, when you consider the amount of players who may be leaving, and I don't feel there is a natural successor in terms of the captaincy, uh, would it not have made more sense? Or does this come right down again to that, you know, the the boardroom that we've been criticising earlier on in the show uh, by saying that they just don't get that side of things. They're just looking at the fact that he's probably the, the best paid player at the club and they're thinking we'll free up those wages for a, a 36 year old so that we can reinvest it um, do you think it's an oversight one that we might even regret Listen, I, I think it's a I think it's mismanagement of the squad in general has done a disservice to a lot of the players this season and Scott Brown has suffered that more than most there's no, there's no way in which somebody who's in the heart of the midfield the way he is um, should be playing 40 six games or 42 games whatever it was at 36 years of age it's like what it has done is you know like back when Paul McStay was in the team Tom Boyd that kind of thing there was an element of respect afforded to them that they were still recognised as the captain but that didn't necessarily mean that their their on the pitch contributions matched up to that 
but they never lost that level of respect. I think his level of respect has been degraded by the way in which he's been managed in the in the squad this season. There's been far too much expected of him on the pitch, and it reflects a, a wider disconnect, like we've all talked about, of how the club um, manage these situations. Don't recognise the lasting impact and effect of players and, and staff on on the club, and mm-hmm. how that can be managed going forward. I was having a discussion with with my mum on FaceTime last night, and we were talking about. She mentioned to me that uh, her and my brother and sister, um, I was too young at the time, but they went to um, a thing in the King's Theatre called Peter's Party back in 1997, I think it was. Um, and Tommy Burns stood up that night and sang a Whitney Houston song, the, the name of which uh, escapes me. But he, um, he, he, when the line went up... Um, they can take everything away from me, but they can't take away my dignity. And the and the Celtic crowd that was in the crowd that night absolutely roared. And there was a connection there between one person and the group of fans. That could that could have been a connection that remained with Scott Brown because and people will call me a hypocrite for saying this because I have been very critical of him. But that but that connection could have remained there. And like you say, um Events like that that you're now talking about 25, 30 years ago, those those type of things wouldn't happen nowadays because there isn't that connection between the fans and the club, and it's 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 sad to see. It still does remain, Laura. You name me any Celtic supporter that doesn't have Scott Brown in their heart. I don't think there's any, and I, oh. I think again down to poor management at the top, they've let this guy go out the door. Why would you not make him an offer? I can't understand. Never mind refuse. You know what I mean? So just, just say, look, you know, your game time might be limited. I know you want to play, but we see you as a coach of the future, you know, and and, t- and sell them like that and say, but we need you here. There's a transition here. You need to be part of that. Mm-hmm. This, this role off the field is going to be just as important as anything that happens on the field under a new regime. We need you here. Can you do that for us? Do you think the transition is sorrow? And if so, Tony, what you're saying there makes perfect sense to me. Do you think the transition is that sorrow comes into the side? And how, how would he benefit from from Bruni on the training ground every single day for well, another season? How he's benefited from Bruni if he does come in and becomes a, a regular first-team player. You'll find that out and he'll be, he'll, he won't be shy in saying it. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, when you talk about Lambert, you mean, when Paul, Lam- Paul Lambert came to Celtic, a Champions League winner, mm. he was there and he stayed there. Instant respect. And I think, uh, you know, and, and, and I see you can argue the toss about someone's ability, but Scott Brown has gained respect of everybody. Grudging might be from some. But he's gained the respect of the whole of Scotland. Is that aimed at me? I wish he thought of it. You actually. But you know what I mean? So uh, you cannot, you cannot uh, question his role at the club. It's been pivotal. And, I, and, I, and I've said it, it'll be the third time I've said it. He's been the beating heart of that club. Mm-hmm. 
for the best part of a decade and the beating heart of Scottish football for the best part of a decade because many have came and he's seen them all off he has he has and you know uh, today and it's not deliberate but Tommy Burns has crept into conversations quite a few times today and yesterday as well um, and I did have the absolute uh, pleasure that I had f- the pleasure to speak to three of Tommy's kids um, the other night there in relation to a Tommy Burns play that is uh, the tickets are on sale now the videos on our YouTube, you can find them on Twitter as well um, we are going to be, the, the play is going to be raising cash for the, the foundation and uh, they were telling some brilliant stories the other night so if you missed that tune into it on YouTube but one came to my mind there when we were talking um, about uh, you know players like Paul Lambert who actually was originally identified as part of Tommy Burns' scouting system where I think Andy Ritchie was part of that as was Davy Hay and they were scouring Europe for the best players uh, in Europe and we brought in players like Van Hoydonk, Andy Tom, Paolo Di Canio, Pierre Van Hoydonk um, I've already said him uh, possibly Josh Cadet that was a one. Aye, the three amigos plus Tom. Uh, and then obviously there was the situation where David Ginola or David Ginola was uh, at Celtic Park for signing talks and um, uh, they were talking about that. Emma actually spoke about the fact that uh, Tommy Burns could never ever get over the the uh, the comments made by Fergus McCann that night where, where he brings up uh, training at Barrafield. Now, I I had heard this story before where Fergus had said something along the lines of, aye, but can you turn it on at Brockville on a wet Tuesday night? I'd heard that story. Um, But apparently this was the deal deal killer. Never mind the deal breaker. This was the deal killer where he mentions Barrafield and Tommy was like, oh, I wish he had never mentioned it because Ginola then wanted to see the training um, pitches. Right after Fergus had, had mentioned him, so he comes into the meeting late, mentions Barfield, so they have to take him up to Barfield, and apparently the look on his face, Tony, when he seen the pitches up at Barfield, um, no you know, meant there was no way he was going to be coming to Celtic at that point. I used to say Lennox Town should have been built 1968. That's when Lennox Town should have been built, and a facility like that. You know, Celtic were, won, the, won the European Cup and quantum like backwards. All the teams that won the European Cup ended up building like, great training facilities and all that on the back of it. You know, Celtic should should have done that back then. And, you know, and that was the thing. And I, I, I can imagine that that was the, the deal killer for many a footballer that came to, for potential signing t- talks for Celtic. You, you train here, it was a glorified public park. <laughs> the thing with that, the story in the early 80s when Cruyff comes back to yeah. play for Ajax and he, he simply cannot believe that Celtic yeah. trained at Barrafield. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah, there's been in many comments, Cruyff being one of them. Mm-hmm. He was like, he, he, looking at Barrafield and saying, right, okay, you might kick a ball about where's your training ground? Where are we really training? Yeah. Where are we really training? Aye, yeah. So that, but the, but the other, the other problem you have, Tony, is. You know, Lennox Town has been lauded by the club on various occasions as being this state-of-the-art sort of area and training facility. And I'm sure it has a lot better facilities than a lot of clubs, but for the cl- type of club that we're aspiring to be, I think it's already starting to show its age. And uh, we're yeah. in a situation now where, OK, it's nowhere near what Barrafield was, but there are players going to be coming and seeing our facilities and the way that we work at the moment and, and from my understanding of it and go and look at 
other clubs, even mm-hmm. smaller clubs down in England who have much better yeah. facilities. Look at what Leicester are doing. Now, yeah. and, and I know Leicester have won the league in that, but you know, in, in terms of fan base and in terms of club size and stuff like that, we should be able to compete with them on a certain level of attracting players anyway, even if we can't financially. So, you know, we ha- you always have to be thinking about these things, trying to move ahead, trying to modernise and trying to make sure that, that that isn't a reason to stop a player coming to the club. It's called evolving like a big club. Mm. You know, Celtic should have evolved in the late 60s and built a training ground and then you just kept, kept modernising it and you know, upkeeping it and upgrading it, whatever. You know, it's that, if, think like a big club. You know, there's no reason why Celtic shouldn't be able to compete with bigger clubs for players if everything's right in youth. And it's my argument all the time about Celtic. No. The problem, the problem there, I think Tony was. I mean, the only the only reason we used Barfield was, um, and anyone is welcome to correct me if I'm wrong. 1966, Jock's pushed for that to become. Um, a training a training facility for Celtic. So up until then, a lot of the training was at Celtic Park uh, and various other places. But then, even if you were to look at the stadium developments during the the golden age of Celtic getting to quarterfinals and semi-finals and set in finals a European competition, very little work was done on the stadium. Now I know that in the early seventies, uh, the main stand was redeveloped, and then in nineteen eighty seven, the fascia was added. But other than the general kind of upkeep, that stadium was was decrepit by the time. Mm. The, that Fergus McCann had to come in, it wasn't fit for purpose. The Jock's team was always pushing for a training facility. Mm-hmm. You saw the benefit of it back then in some kind of state-of-the-art facility, yet they never pulled any money into anything, you know, like ground-up keep or, or anything like that. You know? Is it incredible that uh, in the 1960s he's crying out for a training facility? In 1968 he's asking for a Celtic coach team to go into the league. Um, and all these years later we're still talking about it. But one thing that was brought up at the fans forum that uh, I was in, although I wasn't involved in it, I was I was watching it, uh, was that there was something around uh, a lasting memorial actually to Tommy Burns. They were talking about a statue at the stadium. And I just felt it was far more kind of appropriate to, and it's been named, it's been mentioned a few times on here, um, to name Lennox Town after Tommy Burns, name it the Tommy Burns Academy. Surely that would be far more appropriate. What do you reckon, Laura? Listen, the, the whole statue thing is a bit of a strange one for me because I think that while it's a, a great idea um, and can be a lasting uh, legacy for, for a certain type of player, I think there's so much more that goes with naming something like a, a, a facility after somebody. You're talking about, you know, the future of the club. If Lennox Town is going to be where we identify and train our players and and bring on the future of the club, what better way to honour the man who had the club in his heart and his soul and his blood than to say the only way you have a future at Celtic Football Club is to train at the Tommy Burns Centre for Excellence or something of that ilk. Give the man the respect he deserves, put his name on that training facility, give it the give it the standard of training facility that it requires and you will you will get it back tenfold in the years to come. Absolutely. You know, when you're you're looking at the fact that a lot of Celtic fans don't like the stadium get, being called Parkhead, Celtic Park. And I've I've actually um been speaking to to ex Celts and um 
and if you call it Parkhead, they'll correct you. And a lot of the ex-players actually just call it the park. But I think there's... Teams in Scotland, I think, that had... It was Celtic Park in the original St Myrne Park. That wasn't Love Street. It was St Myrne Park. And uh, supporters of St Myrne would correct you on that. Mm. I had. Now, that was the two grounds, to my knowledge, that were called after the club, Celtic Park and St Myrne Park. Right. Somebody will correct me again, but... It's always been Celtic Park. Parkhead was kind of the area, wasn't it? And, but, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have called it that, Tony. Some even call it Parkers. Nobody Listen, acts on. Never say those words, that, that word again. P that rings with Arkers. I'm not having it, right? No, I know, I know. But, Park or a push Parkhead. It's but, paradise if you're being... Yeah. Brilliant. But then there's this... I mean, Lennox Town's been there. We call it Lennox Town because of the area that's in very similarly, as I was saying there, to the stadium being called Parkhead. Isn't it time we gave it a name so that, that there is that identity? And there's a bit of gravitas um, to joining the, the Tommy Bond Centre of Excellence, isn't there? Like like Laura says. It's a no-brainer for it to be called Tommy Bond's. I echo exactly what Laura said there. It's a man that it slept and breathed Celtic. You know what I mean? And you you show anybody any potential signing, to, any video of Tommy Burns talking about Celtic, they'll be like, "Where's the pen? <laughs> Can I sign for ten years? They want a Jim McLean type contract." You know, so it, it, it's it's an absolute no brainer to name that facility after Tommy Burns. You know, and uh, there's. Ma, do you know what, in, in the last year, see that picture of Tommy Burns doing the flying leap onto the, when they've qualified for the championship? Yeah, yep. I would adorn that Lennox Town. I would have guys paint murals of that and put it all over like, uh, the Tommy Burns Centre for Excellence or Tommy Burns Academy because it's a brilliant picture. This is a guy who and who had been the manager, remember, and was now a coach, but he's influenced here and he's as happy as anybody that was playing that night, happy as Gordon Strachan, an old, you would say an old man, but diving into a pylon, because it was a team, and he qualified, and that mid-air shot, just encapsulates everything, about Tommy Burns, how happy he is, and as he's flying through the air, it's like, yes, my team's qualified, for the Champions League group stages, I love that, absolutely it. Do you know what it does as well, Tony? We've all mm-hmm. talked about how losing Scott Brown means you're losing somebody who is able to explain to players what the yeah, club yeah, means. Yeah. If you have a if you have a Tommy Burns Centre for Excellence that is adorned with his picture that has his name on the on the building, the first thing people are going to do is say, Who's Tommy oh, Burns? Nah. And what better way to explain <laughs> Celtic than you're to right. explain Tommy Burns? You're yeah. absolutely right. We do have we do have a fourth guest coming in, Tony, fresh from Easter Road, uh, <laughs> which has ruffled quite a few feathers online. Uh, Celtic have been getting stick for it. Natasha's been getting stick for it. So let's bring Natasha into the conversation. Welcome back, Natasha. Talk to us about your return to uh, a football stadium for the first time since March last year. Oh, it was just absolutely brilliant. Um, we are all football fans here. We know how much being in a stadium means to us and just that feeling of walking out into a ground and seeing a pitch and the stands all be them empty but the players on the pitch it's just it's an amazing feeling we all know how it feels and we all know how much we've missed it um, it was absolutely amazing opportunity for 
at some or for state of mind to have the accreditation to have someone go along to the ground to, to represent and report back as media. And that's certainly what it was, it was reporting back as media. And I know there's a few people online who think that we don't deserve to get into the ground any more than other fans deserve to get into the ground. And all I can say on that is, Yes, I'd love for every Celtic fan to be in the ground. I'd love for there to be 60,000 at Celtic Park. I'd love us to have a full allocation away from home. The unfortunate thing is at the moment is that we can't do that. And here at Axon, we don't think we have, you know, any more right to be at a Celtic game more than any other fan. We all deserve to be there. But it just so happens that Axon got this opportunity and we're not going to turn it down. We weren't there as a fan. We weren't there as fan support. We were there as media. Um, and it was a great opportunity um, and great to be back. No, you're spot on. It, it was uh, basically just to try and clarify that Celtic did not invite a Celtic state of mind to Easter Road today. Uh, we have uh, a media company over Archie's Axom, which was invited and given press accreditation by Hibs. Uh, in terms of travel and everything else, Natasha, you obviously went to the game and you were there in a press capacity rather than a fan capacity. It just so happens that you support Celtic and you reported back on Axon. So trying to clear that up on Twitter can be quite difficult at times, Natasha, because it's not always easy to have a conversation. But it is as simple as that. And as you say, mm-hmm. given the opportunity, are we really going to say, you know what? No, it's okay. We'll just leave it. So it added a, a bit of, um, you know, a different view on the proceedings. We, we watched the game as we always do on a stream online, virtually. You were there and you could hear it and you could feel it. And what you've seen today was potentially the end of a few Celtic careers, but definitely the end of uh, Scott Brown's career, potentially the end of John Kennedy's managerial career, but also the end of Peter Lowell's time at Celtic. We believe. We believe, and he's the one figure we haven't spoken about, Natasha, since uh, since we started the the broadcast this afternoon. So Peter Lowell um, has left the building, apparently, although he'll still be working behind the scenes until the 1st of July, I think it is. Um, and we're talking about ends of eras. Do you honestly think, Natasha, it is the end for Peter Lowell? I think so, but I will not. I wouldn't want to say I'm 100% sure of that. We've all heard the rumours of him lingering around in some sort of capacity. I don't think that'll happen. I think he'll recognise himself that it needs to be a clean break and that him staying on isn't going to benefit the club and it's not going to benefit the club and engaging again with the fans. I think he needs to recognise that it needs to be a full step back. If he stays on in some capacity... Everyone in the building already knows him as the boss. He's in charge. He makes the decisions. Probably too many decisions, but he's the one in charge making the decisions. If he's still there, even with Dominic Mackay as CEO, people are going to find it hard to shift the perception of the fact that Lawwell is in charge. So unless he takes a proper step back and leaves the club, he'll still have this control over it. I don't mind him being at the end of my phone. I don't mind him answering ad hoc queries or helping the club when he can. But I think it needs to be not in a formal employed role by Celtic anymore. Tony, what's your thoughts on that? Because we've just been speaking about the um, the benefits of keeping Bruni around. I know it's not happening. Um, but I, I agree with Natasha, with someone who's such an imposing figure with so much authority at a club, it would be difficult to keep them around um, in any other capacity. Well, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when it was made clear that he was stepping down, but 
we always said that he, he knows influential people. And if a British Super League is to happen, or some European league, you want representation there. Who knows them better? Peter Lowell's a guy that knows these. So if you say to Peter Lowell, this is your remit now, if, if, if he is sticking around, then that's exactly what he'll be doing, making sure that nothing bypasses Celtic football in the future is taking you know, other steps, i.e. a British Super League and, or a European breakaway league. So who, who's been dealing with these characters over the past few years? Peter Lowell. But as long as he sticks to that, that remit and say, right, look, we trust you, you know these people, make sure if that's the way football's going that Celtic are at that top table. You know, but uh, to, be, to sit there and just uh, watch Dominic Mackay like a praying mantis, you know, that, 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 won't, that won't suit anybody. You know, I don't think Dominic Mackay will be able to do his job if, if Peter Law was just standing lurking around in the shadows. <laughs> why, would you, why would you accept that? No, you couldn't. You just you couldn't. Can't. You couldn't. So it's either a clean break or you say to Peter Law, this is your remit now. If Celtic had to become any kind of force in a British Super League or a European Super League for, for want of a better term, then that's your remit. You, you sit on those discussions with all those people, influential people, and make sure that nothing bypasses us moving forward. That's that's the role I see Peter Lowell in moving forward, if, if he has to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that may happen is um, the incoming CEO may provide uh, a sponsorship deal for the naming rights to the stadium um, Eric will continue to call it Park Heat and uh, AJK actually reckons it will always be Parker sorry Tony uh, we are coming to the end so I thought I'd throw that uh, bombshell in there we are coming to the end of another Celtic State of Mind Bulletin the final match day bulletin of the season we've been here since match day one and we um, are still here and it took us to the last game to actually get into a stadium um, thank you very much Natasha Mika you'll be able to warm up now that you're back home I'm pretty sure it was getting a bit chilly sitting there uh, but was. yes we were simply doing it to try and improve uh, the content that we're putting out no more no less we don't feel entitled or spoiled or any of these things that's been levied um, on social media so thanks everybody for getting involved today on YouTube Facebook um, and on Twitter and thank you to Laura Natasha and also to Anthony for joining me on a Celtic state of mind Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.